And, and so today we've highlighted Radical Rod's story. We've highlighted what happened to him because he's been through a rough time just 12 days after the accident. It's been a rough few days for him. But there's a lot of people in this hall today. There's a lot of people in this hall today who have been through a, a rough time for a lot, lot longer than just 12 days like Rodney. Maybe you've been through a rough time because you two were involved in a car accident and, and, and it's been a long time and you just haven't recovered. And, and you're saying this morning, oh, you've heard Rodney's story. What about me, God? What, what about my story? We sang that song earlier this morning. God, you are a miracle working God. And you may have stood there thinking, oh, but not for me. You haven't provided a miracle or done a miracle in my life. Maybe you're looking at a loved one who's gone through a, a very rough time with a sickness or an illness, and they've recovered 100%. God's touched them. And for you, you're not 100%, and it's like, God, what about me? Why haven't I recovered 100%? And then I look at some of my mates in this school hall today, some of Michelle's friends. They just haven't found that hashtag proper relationship with Mr. Wright. And, and they miss Wright. They're ready. And Mr. Wright just doesn't come along. When are they going to connect emotionally with Mr. Wright? All the other friends are getting it right, not them. What about me, God? I mean, he's been with Rodney's family, but what about me? Maybe you're sitting, what about me? I suffer with headaches every single day. Maybe you're saying that. Maybe you wake up with back pain every single day. How are you going to get through the day with this back pain? Because he supernaturally did a miracle in, in Rodney's life. And he's only suffered for a short period of time. What about you? You've suffered for a long time. And the most amazing thing about God is that he knows both. God is concerned. He knows about both. He knows about those that have only suffered for a short period of time. And he knows about those that have suffered for a long period of time. And I pray today that as we celebrate God and worship him and we thank him for what he's done in Rodney's life, I pray today that as some of you sit here today with diseases and sicknesses and illnesses, I pray today. That you get a touch from Jesus and that you experience healing because God is concerned about you. I want to say this to you. As you leave here today, just now, for, remember this. God forgets about nobody. Amen. Forgets about nobody. And so we're going to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. It's easy for you to sit and say, okay, Daryl, so you're trying to encourage us and motivate us that God forgets about nobody. But, but uh, what does the Bible say exactly? What does God say in the Bible? When God puts the Bible together, friends, he's very, very clever because he puts stories next to each other. Let's just pray. Pray today, God. For people from Heidelberg, Lamont's family, for that great group of mates, Bronwyn and Jeff's family and mates, they're not here just because of that. There's a plan, there's a purpose that you've brought them here to this hall today. They, they've, they've made their way through the runners. Some of those runners are running. They're running away from something emotionally and maybe spiritually. Pray God today that those of us who have been running away because you, we think you've given up on us, that they will know today that you are busy with them and that, God, you have a plan for them. Holy Spirit, touch their hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 5. It's not on the screen. Why not? Because this is a training center. Oh, the AV team, no, they're top of their game. 
We just didn't give it to them. This is a training center. Open up it on your smartphone as well. Dylan, you got it there, my bit. And let me give you a bit of background before we go to Mark chapter 5. Just one chapter before, Mark 4. There's this massive storm that we had yesterday in Benoni, except it's on the sea. And Jesus' disciples are in the boat with him. They're pooping themselves. They're scared out of their minds. They think they're going to die. True story. You can go and look at it. We'll read about it just now. They're terrified. And then Jesus calms the storm. And you think that these men, Jesus' disciples, have got so much faith. You think that if someone asks you to go and pray in the hospital for someone, that you've got to have great faith. You think that if you need to go to ICU and pray next to Rodney's bed, that you need to have great faith. -uh. Jesus takes these scary cats who are pooping themselves in this storm. And he takes them into the story that we're going to read about just now. My mate Rory, this is actually his message. He calls them clowns. Jesus' disciples are clowns. They're scared out of their minds. He takes them into the room where this little girl is busy dying and she gets supernaturally healed. And so friends, don't think that you need great men of faith to go into the room and pray for somebody. No, no. Jesus takes these guys just one chapter before. God is busy in the church right now today, friends. God is busy in this hall this morning. He wants faith to come into Benoni. He wants faith to come alive and he's going to use Rodney's story. He's going to use your story, sir, and your story, ma'am, and he's going to use other situations to bring faith into this city. Amen? Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Read it with me there. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, a big lani, he's got money, he may have worn an expensive watch. Big Lani. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he says, My little daughter is dying. Please come. Please come. So that you can put your hands on her and she be, may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But of the story around the law around that time of the month. In, in my family, in my home, I call that, that time of the month Shark Week. Okay. If you don't understand that, come and ask me afterwards. Okay, so, so it's that time of the month, and, and you didn't think we'd be talking about things like this in church, did you? Shark Week. It's that time of the month. And, and if, if that lady touched that couch... That couch became unclean. And if you two went to go and sit on that couch, you two would become unclean. If she decided to go and lie in her bed in her room, that bed would become unclean. And if you went and lay in that bed, you too would become unclean. Everything she touched became unclean. And people would have walked further and further and further away from her. They wouldn't want to have been with her. It would be something like this. You see that lady in Woolies at the Faramir Square down the aisle pushing her trolley and you turn 369. I don't want my trolley to touch her trolley in case I too become unclean. And you laugh. You say, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that, really. I did it this morning outside at the prayer meeting because I stood next to a mate. One of my teammates is sick. And we take hands and we pray and it was like me taking hands and praying like that. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to become unclean. I don't, want to, I don't want to walk next to her or, or be associated even with her. Everything's unclean. 12 years. How old was Jairus' little girl? 
12 years. We're going to get there. And so Jesus is just reminding Jairus that although your daughter has only been sick for a little period of time, this lady has been sick. She's been suffering. She's in pain for 12 years. It's a very, very long time. And I think there's people here in this hall this morning that have been suffering for a long time. I think there's people here that have been rejected. I think people have, have actually walked away from them. They, they've become unclean. They're despicable. And maybe they feel dirty. Maybe they've even been told, you're dirty. This woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal. Under the care of many doctors, she'd spent all the money she had, yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know, friends, some of you have been around Jesus for a very long time. Some of you have grown up in Sunday school for a very, very long time. And you know you can hang around Christ for a long time and not actually touch him. See a lady, she's grown up in church for a very long time in her life. And I think she's, she's reached out and touched Jesus from what I see in her life, the fruits in her life. You can, go to, you can go to life group, you can come to church, you can sing songs, but not actually ever touch Jesus. And I think we've got to stop playing church. I think we've got to stop coming to church on a Sunday and look around and, and watch others as they close their eyes and as they worship and as they touch Jesus. Let's stop playing church, church friends. All we need is a few people just to reach out, just to reach out and touch Jesus in faith, in faith to reach out and touch Jesus. Over the years in the ministry, I've seen that there's been many sicknesses and diseases that cannot be healed by a medical doctor. You can go to psychologist after psychologist. You can go to doctor after doctor, counselor after counselor, and never really be healed. I want to say this to you. Unforgiveness cannot be healed by a medical doctor. Bitterness can never be healed by a medical doctor. It's got to be healed by a touch from Jesus and by the application and the implication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got people in church bleeding from illnesses that cannot be healed by a medical doctor. You can leave here today, friends, completely healed emotionally. Heard a story about a lady, something terrible had happened to her. A man had done something terrible to her. And she went to an Anglican minister and she asked this Anglican minister to pray for her because her whole body was covered with eczema. And this Anglican minister just sensed that something terrible had happened to this lady. And so he said to her, you need to, did something happen? Did, did, did a man do this to you? And she started to weep. And she said, yes. He said, you need to forgive that man. And she said, I can't. I can't forgive this man. And after spending time, she said, okay, will you lead me in a prayer to forgive him? Because of what he did. And this Anglican minister led her in a prayer and she forgave that man. She didn't just say it. She meant it from her heart. And after they'd finished praying, that Anglican minister took a broom and he swept the eczema off of the floor. It just fell off of her body. Friends, there are diseases in this room today that cannot be healed by doctors. But if you reach out and if you touch him, you can be healed instantly. 
at once, verse 30. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turns around in the, cro- in the crowd and he says, who touched my clothes? I mean, come on, Jesus, there's a big crowd around you, Jesus. There's a lot of people bumping into you, Jesus. You're asking this question, who touched me? There's a lot of bumping of Jesus happening at church on a Sunday. A lot of bumping into Jesus on a Sunday. We just need a few people to touch him. You see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. You can imagine him looking around in the crowd, thinking, something's happened here. Who touched me? Was it that lady? Because I know what's happening in that lady's life. I know her husband and her are, are in a mess. Was it her? Did she reach out and ask me to touch and, and, and heal her marriage? Was it her? Was it that man? Because everyone thinks he's happy, but maybe, I know, he's so depressed, he's even thinking about taking his love. Did he reach out? Did he touch me today? Was it him? I want to know. Maybe it's that couple, because I know they can't have kids. Maybe they reached out and asked me to do a miracle in their lives. Was it them? Something happened. Power went out of me and went into somebody. I know a miracle's happened here today. Who was it? I want to know. And she sees Jesus looking around, and she starts to tremble, because she knows, I've been healed. And now he knows. Let's carry on reading. Knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. Say trembling with fear. You see, when you don't understand Jesus, you tremble with fear. When you have the wrong perception of Jesus, you will not know how to approach Jesus. If you have the wrong perception of Jesus, you might not even approach him at all because you tremble with fear. And one of the reasons people don't come to Jesus is because they are scared that he's also going to call them dirty. Everyone's called her dirty. Nobody will sit on her chair. No one will go near to her house. Everything she's touched for 12 years, friends, is unclean. And she comes before Jesus trembling. She says, I'm, I'm, in her mind, I'm dirty. I'm discarded. I'm in debt. I've blown all my money on doctors. I've got no money. I'm desperate. She's trembling with fear. And instead of Jesus looking at her and saying, dirty, he calls her daughter. Calls her daughter. Here, friends, is Jairus, the synagogue leader, this important guy. He's got a position in the city. And right there, Jesus turns. He turns around from that and he looks at this woman who's got nothing, who everyone has said is dirty. And he gives his attention right here to this dirty woman. He calls her daughter. Say daughter. You know, sometimes we think that Jesus has turned his back on us. Because he seems to be busy with somebody else. And, and sometimes we think he's forgotten us. What did Jairus say to Jesus? He said, my daughter, Jesus, my little daughter is busy dying. And Jesus turns his back on Jairus. And he looks at this woman right here. And he calls her daughter. Jairus has got money. She's got no money. Jairus has got a name. An important name. This woman doesn't even have a name. Jairus has approached Jesus from the front. He's come to Jesus. This woman comes from behind. And he turns. And he gives this woman attention. You might be here today saying, Jesus has forgotten me. He's turned his back on me. No, friends. Here in this story, he's busy with two sets of people at the very same time. 
a young girl who needs desperate healing, and another person who's been suffering for a long, long time. And today is just not about Rodney. Today is about other people as well. He says to her daughter, it's beautiful, one word, he qualifies her. Can you imagine the name she would have been called? Dirty, disgusting, despicable, disqualified daughter. In one word, she's qualified. And Jairus is thinking over here, what about my daughter? Jesus, what about my daughter? You said you'd come. And Jesus uses the same word that Jairus is busy thinking. And at that moment, it's given Jairus hope. Hang on, he knows about my daughter. He hasn't forgotten about me. Let's carry on reading there. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and say this, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said. Say that, ignoring what they said. (laughs) But say it loudly, please. Ignoring what they said. I heard this saying the other day, life's too short to hang around negative people. That's like saying all the newspapers that I read and the news that I listen to on the radio is affecting me negatively. You see, negative feedback is going to affect the way you live and the way you think, friends. And it's going to stop us from living and thinking about what the Bible says about Jesus and how you and I should live. People look at you, your mates, and they say to you, you know, but your marriage is dead, and she's never, ever going to change. You might as well leave her. No, no, ignoring what they said. There's no future for a young male South African who's living in South Africa. No, no, ignoring what they said. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where you name it and you claim it and you live with a big white smile, your best life. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying, friends. I want us to be real. I want us to be radical and silence the voice of the enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy and live with faith according to the way Jesus has called us to live. You'll never be able to find a man who will want to marry you with your kids and your baggage. No, 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 no. You may as well settle for second best. No, ignoring what they said. Oh, the crime is going to kill our country. Kafi was telling us on Thursday, myself and Rod, how they've hit his office the last three nights in a row. Oh, but you might as well pack up your office and emigrate. No, no, no. Ignoring what they said. We are here in Benoni where God can protect and provide for us. As a family, Kafi, ignoring, ignoring what they said. Here we go. I just keep doing what God wants me to do. I ignore what they say. Let's be real. Let's not live with our, our heads in the ground like ostriches. Let's be real, but let's be radical and silence the voice of the enemy and live according to the way Jesus wants us to live. We're subject to Jesus. And Jesus is standing here between a girl that's busy dying on this side and a lady that's been suffering for a very long time. And he's saying, but my father has called me to bring life to both situations. Both situations. Ignoring what they said. I asked Dylan if I could share this story. In his last year at primary school, his dad was shot dead. And as he went into high school, he started living on this road 
on this way of life. And his mates and his teachers started telling him, you're never going to be a success in life. You're dumb, in fact. You're not going to make it. Nothing successful is going to come out of your life, Dylan. Ignoring what they said. He sits in this hall today and right here in this very school hall, he's one of the best teachers in Benoni. Ignoring. Ignoring what they said. There are prophets of doom and gloom in this nation, friends, that are sucking the church dry. And we've got to live in faith the way God wants us to live. Let's carry on reading. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Just go one chapter to the left. Go to chapter 4. Scroll up on your smartphone there to chapter 4. You got it there. Verse 36. These are the guys. This is the story now that we touched on earlier. Leaving the crowd behind. They took him, that's Jesus, along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. Nice English word for some teachers, yeah? And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He's perfectly in charge. He's getting a cushion. He's making himself comfortable because God wants these scaredy cats to learn a few lessons. So Jesus makes himself comfortable and these guys are about to become very uncomfortable. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? No, no, I do care, but you've just got to learn a few lessons here. You guys are babies. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's go back to chapter 5, verse 37. Pick it up there again in our story. He did not let anyone follow him to that house except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. These are the terrified guys we've just read about in the boat. Friends, what is this story teaching us today? Do you know who wrote the last three books of the Bible? Peter, James, and John. This story teaches us that my faith and your faith is about living a journey of faith. We might be terrified. We don't always understand, friends, but Jesus is doing miracles in our midst. Just like he did in Rodney's life that past Tuesday and these last couple of days. Why? So that he can give us courage to write chapters in the end of my life and your life that will allow others' faith to be grown. And sometimes I stand with faith and authority and I pray next to Rodney's bed in ICU. And other times I stand with fear in Mercury Street as I look at Rodney lying there with blood covered all over his face and, and his, his bicycle in pieces and, and I stand in fear. But faith comes into my heart because I want to write a chapter in my life that plays a story and changes other people's lives, friends. Just like my mates going to visit Rodney. My mate leaves his sights. He's an architect. And he thinks they may have taken Rodney to the Glenwood. I know two doctors there. And he rushes there. Just in faith saying, hey, maybe my friend, my doctor can play a role. Joining up the dots. 
I see another one of my mates, a businessman, such a busy day of his, taking time out of his day to try and sneak in and smile at the nurse in ICU. Hopefully he can get in. He didn't, but it was the thought that counts. Faith, stirring each other's faith, friends. People rallying around Lynn and supporting her. And for us at Freedom Church, church is all about building each other's faith. As that man goes through a rough time with his ex-wife and two boys, we stand with faith and we encourage and build each other's faith. I don't know about you, friends, but this story, this story has given me deep faith to write another chapter for Jesus. Maybe you're here today thinking, well, I'm not a synagogue leader. I don't have a name. I'm nothing. I'm dirty. I'm suffering greatly. You know what suffering does, friends? It says this in Hebrews chapter 5 about Jesus. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience by what? He suffered. Jesus suffered, friends. You know that suffering is a characteristic of a Christian? Suffering does not mean the absence of God. Suffering is a family trait of Christianity. And so if you've lost your spouse to sickness, I can pray for you. But if you go and speak to these ladies sitting in front here, if you go and speak to Auntie Kathy at the back, these ladies can become a source to you. Why do I say that? Because these ladies have lost their spouse. And they've suffered. They can, they can become a source to you, friends. When you go through suffering, you start to dig a hole. You start to dig a deep, deep well that goes deep into the ground, 100 meters deep, 200 meters deep, and then at about 350 meters deep, that well hits granite, and then water bursts forth from that well, and that water starts to water people. You become a source to others in their journey of faith, and out of your suffering becomes a source. And you know what God is doing at Freedom Church right now, through Rodney's story, through your crisis, through your challenge, Heard about a teacher yesterday on Jermiston Lake with the paddling canoeing guy struck dead by lightning. That's a crisis. I don't know if they know Jesus, but if they allow Jesus to be put in the picture, he will become strength to them. He will give them faith, and out of that faith will be a source to other people around them. He's digging a well, friends, deeper and deeper and deeper because there are people in this city that are dying of spiritual thirst. And God is going to use Rodney as he grows through that granite rock. He's going to use the Friedberg story and he's going to use your story to go through granite rock. God is very busy here, friends. He's busy digging a deep hole. And as the water pours out, you will give life. God will use you to give life to many in this city. Who's the hero in this story in Mark 5, friends? It's a lady who reaches out. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's blown all her money on doctors. And she realizes I've got nowhere to go. She starts to dig a well deeper and deeper. And she says, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about the name of Jesus. I've heard about this man. And she reaches out. After 12 years of suffering. After 12 years of putting another laundry load into the washing machine. Only to see clothes come out again with blood stains. Eventually. The water of Jesus bursts forth and she's healed immediately. And out of that, Jairus' daughter is 
is healed. And out of that, the faith of Peter and James and John's faith is stirred up. Friends, I want to tell you, God is busy. Are you suffering for 12 years? Your faith right now is being used to heal somebody. And Rodney and Lynn's faith and your faith is going to be used to restore and heal people in the city of Benoni. Verse 37, we need to carry on our story. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jairus, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. How's this next line? But they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. I wonder how many people will laugh at you where at that work function you say, no, I'm not going to take that drink. I wonder how many people laugh at you when you say, no, I'm done looking at women the way I used to. I wonder how many of your friends are going to laugh at you when on a Friday night you say, no, I'm done going to those places. I wonder how many people are going to laugh at the church when you and I just believe God. They laughed at Jesus. We need to become a laughing stock to people who have got no faith, friends. I want to ask you, will you do that with me? Will you become a laughing stock to people who have got no faith as we live our life of faith for Jesus on the straight road? Will you? I will, Daryl. That sounds easy enough. Really? Because for me, for Daryl, I like to be the nice guy where everybody likes me. They laughed at Jesus. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother, say mother, and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, the terrified guys, the scaredy cats. He takes them and he went in where the child was. He said to her as he took her by the hand, he said to her, he didn't shout. He didn't stand up. He didn't scream. Here's a big one. He didn't say to the guys outside who were laughing at him, hey, watch this, I'll show you. He said to her as he took her by the hand, Talita Kawim, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. You see, friends, Jesus always puts stories Next to each other in the Bible. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Say completely astonished. (laughs) You see, friends, we need men and women in this city who God will use in their suffering to leave others completely astonished. Rod, it's a privilege to stand next to your bed in ICU, but And you lie there, and you don't lie there saying, I was so lucky. No, Rod lies there and he closes his eyes and he says, I'm so grateful, Daryl, that God's given me a second chance. I don't know if sometimes I'm like Jairus and I'll break the rules and get into ICU and pray for Rod with boldness. And I don't know sometimes if I'm like Peter, James and John where I stand next to the side of the road with Billy and Dave and Kuri thinking, I don't know about this. This is way too close to home for me. But faith rises up. And, and your faith, there's your faith and your faith, Renee, stirs my faith. 
Let's, let's feed off each other's faith to rise up and play a role and write another chapter in God's story. I want to say to you, Lynn, you write a rod says you are a rock. You are a rock. You're a rock. And it's been a, an honor to see how you've become just a rock of, of faith and support to your family at this time. I want to say we need wives. We need women. We need moms. We need husbands. Jeff. To rise up in the cockpit and at home to rise up and to be great giants in this nation as we stand with a little bit of faith. These guys were scaredy cats, but their faith grew through life. Who healed that little girl? Oh, we know it was Jesus for sure. But that woman who suffered 12 years, she played a part. And the mom and dad in that room, they played a part. And Peter and James and John, those three guys who we thought had no faith, they played a part. What's God doing, friends? He's doing something far bigger than you and I will ever, ever know. You know what I've seen in this story? I've seen something that, that stood out for me. The older lady, this lady, she reaches out and she touches Jesus. This story here, Jesus reaches out to the little girl and he touches her. I want to say to the, to the older ladies here today, oh, Daryl, I'm young, but I'm a sitting duck. I'm an old duck now. No, no, no. I want to say, don't stop reaching out to Jesus. Do not stop reaching out to Jesus. And I want to say, Jesus, please don't stop reaching out to the younger woman in this hall, in this city. Jesus is saying to a generation of women, Talita Kawum, he's not shouting, he's not screaming. It's time, little girl, woman, it's time to wake up. The women were at the tomb. The women were at the cross. We live in a male-dominated society where women sometimes are sidelined. No, no, no. Jesus is saying through the story, Talita Kawum, woman, it's time to wake up. Michelle Mahoney, where are you? Where's Michelle Mahoney? You've, you've come back to Benoni. You've been relocated to Durban. You've come back. There's a reason. Talita Kawum, it's time to wake up. Change the nation. Change the city. Ladies, maybe you feel dirty. Jesus is saying, I'm going to call you daughter. Your bleeding is going to stop so that you too can help others who are bleeding around you. Last Tuesday, on the corner on Mercury, Rod's body and his bike was crushed by accident. He had a helmet on his head and I took his bike and his helmet home. And I tried to, to wash and scrub the blood off of his helmet. It wouldn't come off the helmet. You, you know that Jesus was crushed on purpose. Bible says in Isaiah 53, it pleased the father to see his son being crushed. Jesus was crushed on purpose. Rod, Rod had a helmet on his head to protect him. So have you asked the Lord to be your savior and put that helmet of salvation on you? I don't know. Rod had that helmet on. Jesus went to the cross. He didn't have a helmet on his head. You know what happened on the cross? They put this, thorn, this crown of thorns into his skull and it pierced his head. And that red blood from a head wound started to flow over his eyes. If you sin sexually, 
If you watched pornography, if you lusted with your eyes over other women, his, his eyes were covered by the blood of Jesus. And it went over his mouth. What have you said with your mouth? What words have come out of your mouth? Have you gossiped? Have you slandered? Daryl, what did you say about that man at Gauteng Champs who cheated? What did you say about him, Daryl? What have you said about brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you caused disunity between brothers and sisters? Have you checked the facts out first before you said something about somebody? Blood went over Jesus' mouth. Everything that you've said, the blood of Jesus has covered that, friends. Went over his heart, over your thoughts, over your feelings. Feelings of unforgiveness. Blood of Jesus is able to take that. Reach out and touch him today. Started to drip over his sexual organs. Have you sinned sexually? Blood of Jesus can wash you clean. And then it started to drip over his legs onto his feet. Where have you walked? Have you been to places that you shouldn't have? The blood of Jesus can wash you clean. Rod was crushed by accident on his bicycle. Jesus was crushed on purpose so that you too, just like that lady, you can reach out your hand in faith. Reach out your hand in faith to Jesus, the powerful, healing, miraculous name of Jesus, and you can touch him. Reach out and touch him and you can be healed spiritually. You can be healed emotionally. And you can be healed physically. In Jesus' name, amen.